Thank you for downloading our podcast. Make sure you subscribe to get new ones every week. And don't forget to check out our website and social media. Now, here's our special guest speaker, Amberly Streetback. I think everybody here knows this, but my name is Amberly Strebeck, and my husband Ryan is the pastor here at our church. He's serving with the men on the walk to Emmaus this morning and uh, asked me to fill in. So here we go. Um, I wanted to just start with a couple of just thank yous. Um, it's, it's been a gift to my family and continues to be for, I hope forever, to be a part of this church. Um, I don't know if any of you can understand how humbling it is to be prayed for by name every single week. And uh, just to watch things happen, like watch people recognize that there aren't enough ushers, so they just they get up and do it. And that's the way this church works. Um, and it's really fun. Uh, other good news for the morning, man, this weather helps my mood. Anybody else? Oh, I got up and walked outside and just I just smiling. I can't stop smiling. I also don't like this microphone. Okay. Um, and the other good news is that nobody in here needs this sermon. We can all go home. <laughs> Did you hear? Look. To some who were confident of their own righteousness and looked down on everybody else, Jesus told this parable. We can all go home, right? I've never been that person. Have you? All right, fine. Fine. I have to stay too. Um, I mean, it's really great to be a part of a church full of people and nobody got up and left, right? Because we know. We know this temptation exists. We know that this is real. We know that this challenge comes to us often. Um, and it's icky. But it's good, right? It's good to shed light. Diagnosis is sometimes half the battle, right? It's okay to shine light on the thing that needs to get better. So Jesus does in this uh, parable. Before we dive into the specifics of this one, though, I kind of want to situate us where we're at in Luke here in the 18th chapter, because it's an entire chapter full of unlikely protagonists and unlikely antagonists, right? It's the unlikely good guys and the unlikely bad guys. Because this isn't our culture and because we've been hearing these stories, most of us since we were knee-high to a grasshopper, that... This, it's hard to appreciate how shocking this was to the audience that it came to, right? The unlikely protagonists and the unlikely antagonists, the very unlikely good guys in the stories in, and the parables and the accounts of things that happen here in, in this part of Jesus's ministry, right? We have a widow, a tax collector, children, and a blind beggar. These are the good guys in the story, right? And then there's the unlikely bad guys, the unlikely antagonists in the stories, right? There's a judge, <clears throat> a Pharisee. That's the one we're looking at today. The disciples of Jesus, actually, who get rebuked. And a rich man. Now, remember in the culture that they're in that 
if things are going well for you, if things are going right for you, if you're not sick and your family's healthy and your spouse didn't die and you have a position of power and influence within the community and you have wealth, that, that means that God or the gods have said, you're doing it right. These are the people that are doing it well. These are the people who are winning because some cosmic power has decided that they should, right? And if it's not going well for you, if you have a physical ailment or if you've lost your husband or your family members, if you're, you know, they didn't know about child development at this point. The children one always confused me, but you understand they did not know about the theory of child development that we got like sort of better at things over time. Children were just seen as little adults and they're real bad at that. They're really terrible at it, right? They're, you know, if we, if we see children and we expect them to be just like small adults, they're not good at being responsible and gosh, they're selfish and they don't even hide it as well as we do. Yeah. They're expensive and cumbersome. And you hope eventually they're going to get better at it. But again, they didn't know about human development theories. They didn't, they didn't expect, they just, children were just kind of expensive. And it was kind of um, dangerous to get overly attached because a lot of people that were born didn't survive into adulthood, right? They weren't valued as much as we value children now. Or a blind beggar, right? Obviously doing something wrong. Versus a judge, a Pharisee, the disciples of Jesus, even and a rich man, these people would have gotten the vote of approval from the culture around them all the time. Would have been obviously these are the good guys in every story because obviously the gods have said these are the people who are doing it right. So Jesus has taken all of these narratives that were familiar to them and just whoop, turned them right upside down as Jesus is wont to do. And I also kind of like the progression. We're going to back up just a little bit um, before we dive into this parable. I want you to hear the one that Jesus just told. Okay? So he's, he's preaching to a crowd, and he says, um, in a, this is the parable of the persistent widow, right quick, right? Um, he said in a certain town there was a judge, should be the good guy, but he neither feared God nor cared about men. And there was a widow in the town who kept coming to him with the plea, grant me justice, for my adversary. For some time he refused, but finally he said to himself, even though I don't fear God or care about men, yet because this widow keeps bothering me, I will see that she gets justice so that she will eventually wear me out with her coming. And the Lord said, listen to what the unjust just judge says. And will not God bring about justice for his chosen ones who cry out to him day, after, uh, day and night? Will he keep putting them off? I tell you, he will see that they get justice and quickly. And when the Son of Man comes, he will, will he find faith on the earth? Okay, so he's preaching to a crowd and he's just said, the good guy that you expected to be the good guy is not the good guy, is kind of the bad guy. And the widow who is looked down upon in this culture is really the hero of this story. And uh, it's, a, it's a how much more argument, right? If an unjust judge will eventually deliver justice. How much more our God whose heart is bent towards justice. It's a great parable. But I want you to imagine that you're maybe um, a Pharisee or a Pharisee type standing in the audience that day and going, I am better than the unjust judge. <clears throat> I mean, that parable was 
Ugh, I, I, I'm, I am a person who fears God, obviously. I know all the right answers to all the Bible drill questions. I've been in church all my life. I know better than that. So then we get to the one. <laughs> to those who were confident of their own righteousness and looked down on everybody else, Jesus told this parable. Ugh. And then we have the familiar parable, the one where the Pharisee and the tax collector come to pray. And again, who should be the hero? The Pharisee. Who should be the bad guy? The tax collector. Now, I want us to take a moment. And in your context, in your life, who are, who are the bad guys? The other political party? Your really annoying boss? We don't have a hard time, I don't think, filling in the blank with who the bad guys are supposed to be. And again, Jesus wants to take those narratives and maybe flip them, or at least twist them a little bit, so that we see things differently. Right? Because the Pharisee prays as the picture of pride, which I think makes it not prayer. It makes it not prayer. The one thing that prayer requires is that you recognize you can't provide all the things that you need on your own. Thus, you have to ask someone else. Right, there's a, um, I don't watch TikTok. I just watch the same videos as reels on Instagram because I am a grown-up. Duh. <laughs> but there's one going around right now. Uh, and a person says, breaking news. I've decided, even though I do need help, I've decided not to ask you because that would make me a burden. So I'm not even going to give you the choice. I just made the decision for you at the end, right? We walk around all the time going, I'm not going to ask for help. I don't need anything. I can and I should probably provide the things that I need on my own. And maybe the one place that doesn't work, I don't think it works in the rest of the places either, but the one place that definitively doesn't work is in prayer. The one thing it requires is the humility to acknowledge I cannot get what I need on my own. And I cannot give to others what they need from my own resources. There are things that I need and things that I would like to offer that I just don't have and I cannot get without God. And yet the Pharisee comes as the picture of pride. I think it makes it not prayer. It's just an announcement. It's just a speech, a bad one, right? Versus the tax collector, the despised, the bad guy, the person that nobody wants to be around, Eh. coming with full knowledge that he cannot get what he needs on his own. It is the picture of humility. And that's it. That's the call. And I think it's the call of an approach to life that would make us more sincere in our prayer life. I think it would make our prayer life more effective because it would change, it would change it from a speech to a prayer, 
right? And if it begins to change our attitude and the way that we are in the world, it would make our demeanor with people more like that of Christ. The one person who is entitled to pride. The one person who is actually literally better than everybody else, but didn't live that way, right? It will never cease to baffle me. One of the most impressive parts of Jesus' story and the way that God chose to come to, him, come to us in his incarnate son is that he did not do a top-down program of saving the world, right? He's not rubbing elbows with dignitaries. He's not uh, preaching to Caesar in Rome. He doesn't spend a lot of time with powerful and influential, influential people, and it kind of got him called some names, right? Like, ugh, the friend of sinners. Ew. Have you ever actually literally tried to be a friend to someone, a friend to someone that other people would say, they're just a sinner? Like a legitimate friendship with a sinner. It still raises eyebrows. It'll still get you called names. And it's still the invitation right? For our attitude to soften, for humility to make us into people that recognize we're sinners too. That recognize there's nothing that I have today that wasn't a gift to me. There is no ground to stand on for me to be a prideful person. It doesn't exist. And when all of our props and pretenses fall away, right? One of my favorite phrases ever, I know it can be overused, but it's still true. The ground is level at the foot of the cross. Y'all, St. Paul entered heaven to the cheers and welcome of the people that he persecuted and martyred. Because that is how the gospel works. And I'm so glad. And we get to live into a life that invites that today. And today on 9-11, it's a tempting day to generalize people, right? It's a tempting day to say all the people who look like that or think like this or are different from me must want to fly airplanes into a building and blow them up. And yes, it's true the other way. It would be really tempting and a scary day to be somebody to say, all those people out there must think that I'm a murderer or at least that I want to be. <laughs> And Jesus didn't do that. He didn't generalize people into categories and then stop the story there. He just got to know people. He approached them with humility. He gave everything that he could give to them. So this week, I pray that your eyes are open to people who are different from you. I pray that your heart is welcoming to the person that nobody wants to spend time with. I pray that your attitude and mine is gentled towards people who irk us, people who others would call sinners, people who always seem to be a little bit outside of the circle and not included and don't have power, and we don't know why. I pray for us to have the courage for gentle acts of mercy, right? The, God, the, the scriptures never promise us that generosity to the poor will end poverty. 
right? It doesn't say that being present to someone who's grieving will end their grief. As Americans, we very much like for these things to be more efficient and effective and measurable. The gospel is ridiculously, wonderfully, lavishly wasteful. So I'm going to invite the band to come on up as I pray for us this morning. Would you pray with me? God, we are grateful for your heart. We're grateful for the heart that we can see is reflected in Jesus and his way of being in the world and his teachings. Father, I pray that we would become people of humility, that I could become a person of humility. I pray that we go into the world with enough trust in who you are and what you are providing for us that we can be ridiculously, wonderfully wasteful with our time, our money, our attention, that we would give like we're never going to run out, that we would quit trying to measure our success by the metrics the world offers us and continue to just say, I want to be like Jesus, and then do what that entails for today. We thank you for your goodness to us, Father, and I pray that you would come and set these truths deeply within our hearts as we spend some time worshiping you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.